0: Love Talk Radio. Okay,
1: start off with our This is John MacArthur, From prominence of love here on Triputori.
2: You see the power behind the message is the motive. Or the message is empty. And the motive is, is the love of God in our hearts shed abroad. The power of the message isn't the vocabulary, it isn't the cleverness, it isn't the diction, it's the genuine, loving heart of the man who has the message.
3: If there's one thing people seem to love, it's, well, love. Just think of all the flowers, jewelry, and other gifts bought for Valentine's Day, all in the name of love, And yet, despite our culture's obsession with love, or maybe because of it, the true meaning is often forgotten. John MacArthur addresses that issue today on Grace to You Weekend. He's showing you what true biblical love is and how to practice it. The title of his current study, The Greatest of These, one of our 12 most popular radio series, we're airing one each month as part of our year-long 50th anniversary celebration. Now, if you have a Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians 13, and here's John. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, we're talking about
2: love, and love is an important subject to talk about. I want to review briefly some of the things we've said so that you'll understand the use of the term love. The word that is used here in the Greek, the word agape, is a word that simply means the ultimate act of self-sacrifice for the good of someone else. In fact, you could easily translate it, If I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not a spirit of self-sacrifice, I am nothing. Now that would be the essence of the meaning of the word love as it is in the Greek. I think the spirit of its meaning is indicated by our Lord Jesus when he said this, Love your enemies. Now what did he mean by that? Well, he went on to say what he meant. Do good to those who persecute you. That is the essence of the highest kind of love. It is an act of self-sacrifice, service towards somebody who does not necessarily care for you emotionally. Love your enemies doesn't mean feel erotic about them, doesn't mean feel romantic about them, doesn't mean have a wonderful, warm, and happy relationship with them. All of those are impossibilities. What it does mean is to make an act of self-sacrifice on their behalf. Love your enemies, or, Jesus said, do good to those who persecute you. Further, he said, in order that you may be like your Father who is in heaven. In other words, love your enemies like God loved his enemies. And how did God love his enemies? God loved his enemies enough to die on their behalf. We were all his enemies. Read Ephesians 2. We were all enemies. We were all alienated from God. And so love, then, is an act of self-sacrifice toward people who are your enemies because God has set the pattern for that kind of love. It's not emotion, but it's self-sacrifice. Now, that is precisely the kind of thing Paul is pointing out in 1 Corinthians 13. No matter what a person is like, no matter how he behaves, no matter how he relates to you, seek his highest good. That's what God did. Now, you'll have to remember that this is not related to emotion, but related to will. It is not an act of the emotion. It is an act of the will. To love somebody in terms of an act of self-sacrifice is not a feeling, but it is a determination that you make in your mind that this is right and this is what you will do. You say, but John, how can you ever get to the place where you have that kind of will, where you actually will to step out to the life of somebody who is either deserving or undeserving, either somebody you care about or somebody you don't, and do an act of self-sacrificing service on their behalf. How can you ever get to that point? Well, for one thing, you can't just whip it up. You can't get up in the morning and say, well, I've been cranky for three days, and that's too long. Now I'm going to love. Today I will love. I will love everybody. And you go and look at your little poster that says, Love Never Fails. And you read a few Bible verses, and you go out, and you really love. No, you can't do it. It doesn't work that way at all. You say, well, where does it come from? When you walk in the Spirit, and to walk in the Spirit means you turn your life to His control. You confess your sin. You allow the Spirit of God to govern your thought patterns. As the Spirit of God controls you, He produces fruit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, and love will only come in that way. So the way you approach it is not in a self-righteous determination of your own mind. The way you approach it is simply to yield your life to the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, control me today. Take over my life. Live through me. And the fruit of love will be manifest. Now, precisely at that point do we enter the picture of the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church was not walking in the Spirit. The Corinthian church was not under the control of the Holy Spirit. They were selfish, self-willed, self-motivated, doing everything they could to promote their own ends. Everybody doing his own thing for his own good with no regard for anyone else. It didn't matter what anybody else was doing. It didn't matter what anybody else needed. Everybody out for himself. That was the motto of the Corinthian church. So there was no love. They were not walking in the Spirit. No love was produced. So everything they did manifested this antagonism, rebellion, discord, disunity, and disharmony. Now, it's precisely at this point that Paul speaks to them in 13 and says, the only thing that's going to hang your whole assembly together is love. The only way the spiritual gifts are going to operate is love. The only way you're going to get out of this envy and jealousy on the one hand and pride and boasting on the other hand is love. Love is the key to the unity that will paint the portrait of Christ so that the world can see what He really looks like. I would just remind you... That, you know, take Grace Church, for example, if we depended for our unity and a single visible testimony to the world, if we depended on the fact that we all agreed on everything, we'd be in a lot of trouble, wouldn't we? Because no matter what we do, somebody wouldn't agree with it. That's a fact. Now, some of you may say, well, I don't agree with the way you're doing this in such and such a place. Well, I don't like where my classmates. Well, I don't agree with what the elders decided about this. Well, I don't agree. Well, I wish they'd have put that pillar over there and that post over there, and why aren't these things higher, and why did they put the tree here? You know, there's always that. We could never get everybody to agree on every little thing. But you know what we want to do? We want everybody to love in a biblical way so that whether they agree or not is irrelevant. What they have most in mind is making sure that they sacrifice their own opinion for the sake of the unity of the whole. You see? It isn't a matter of whether you agree. I don't always agree with every little thing that goes on in everybody's life, but sometimes I have to take a back seat and say, I think the Lord is leading in a certain way, and I'm sure willing, lovingly, to acquiesce to somebody else. That's the spirit of unity. It'll never be on the basis of agreement. But agreement can be overruled by love, and that's his point here. The Corinthians had too many clashes going on. There was no way to get them all to think the same way, all to agree on the same thing, to have every little tiny thing in the same box. That just wouldn't work. The only way you can pull that off in a church is to get a guy in the pulpit who's an absolute dictator and drives out everybody who disagrees. And then you don't have a church you just got an absolute dictator and a whole bunch of rubber ducks quacking along with him. That's it. And that isn't true unity. True unity will come out of all of those people with all of their varying ideas and ideals who are willingly and lovingly anxious to sacrifice their own will for the sake of the unity of the believers. Now, what does he say specifically? In this chapter, he says four things about love. He says the prominence of love, the properties of love, The permanence of love and the preeminence of love must be remembered. These four areas you must understand. Love has to be prominent. You have to understand its properties. Love is permanent. It overrules everything. And love is preeminent above all things. You've got to understand that. So that's the division of the chapter. Now we're looking at point one, the prominence of love in the first three verses. Let me read them to you again. If, substituting for though... If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become as sounding bronze or a tinkling cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And if I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. Now there it is. Love is prominent. Without it, zero zero, zero, just noise. Now, last time we looked at verse 1 and we saw the first point, languages without love are nothing. We saw that it doesn't matter if you have, in the situation of the Corinthians, the gift of tongues. doesn't matter, in fact, if you could speak angel talk, remember? doesn't matter if there isn't any love there. It is absolute noise. It's a pagan din. Now, you know, eloquence is a desired thing. And if we just take the point that he's making here and just push it to its ultimate limits. what he's really saying is the best speech on earth and the best speech in heaven doesn't matter if there's no love. You know, everybody wants to be eloquent, everybody who speaks. You know, and you hear people say, oh, he's so eloquent. He can speak and sway. When we go to seminary, they try to teach us how to speak eloquently. It doesn't work uh, on all of us. (laughs) And they worry about diction and all that. You know, I remember the first assignment I had was I had to sell a class some, uh, some toilet paper. You could pick anything. I don't know why that was assigned to me, but anyway, they, I had to sell that to the class just to get you to, to go. You know, and they're allowed to scream and yell and throw things at you and shout and boo and it, trying to get people to get out of themselves. Some guys who go to seminary to become preachers, they, don't ha- they, can't, they stand there and go, oh, you know, they can't overcome it. You know, And there's some of us who get right up on the desk and scream at them and throw the rolls and everything, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> You know, get, you're going to get this. But this is, the, this is the thing they're trying to get you to do. And they want you to, be, to have your good diction so you'll learn funny little things to say. And, you know, you're like Demosthenes with a mouthful of rocks trying to speak. And this eloquence is very important. But even if you could talk angel talk and you didn't have love, it wouldn't matter. To be able to speak and convince people and capture their minds and capture their hearts and turn their wills to a certain behavior is a tremendous power. But it doesn't matter. To be able to play an audience like a master plays a piano, to begin to move them to inspiration, to a calm, to an arousing, to a convincing, to a persuading, to a convicting is an art that some men have mastered. But if they don't have love, it doesn't matter. And in the case of the Corinthians, they had turned the gift of languages into a fleshly ecstasy of fully pagan activity. And Paul says it doesn't matter. He wasted it. Now that leads him into the second of the list there in verse 2. Prophecy without love is nothing. And though or if I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. Prophecy without love is nothing. You know, this is even further, going further than the gift of languages. To be able to speak eloquently, to be able to speak the voice of angels, to have the gift of prophecy, which is the ultimate gift. If you read in chapter 14, you'll find that prophecy is hailed as the greatest of the gifts. Why? Because it is the proclamation of God's truth in the language of the people, and they hear and they understand. And I believe that prophecy has two aspects, the aspect of revelation in the Bible when the prophet spoke the revelation of God, and reiteration when he re-spoke the revelation of God. I want you to know that I speak to you the revelation of God, but not the first time. I simply re-speak it as I read it in the Bible. And if you study, for example, the sermons of Peter, the sermons of Paul, and the sermon of Stephen, you will find that sometimes they were speaking new truth, and sometimes they were quoting old truth. So you have in the element of prophecy revelation and reiteration. But even if I have the ability to speak the Word of God for the first time, or if I have that power to proclaim old truth with force and meaning and dynamic and drama and don't have love, it's nothing. The word prophecy means to speak before someone. And he's talking about the people with the public proclamation, the people who can stand out there and eloquently and dramatically preach the truth of God. Imagine what a gift this is, the, the power to declare the things of God, the power to interpret life, the power to bring the word of heaven to earth, the power to draw eternity into time. Tremendous gift, the gift of proclamation. But without love, it doesn't matter. It is zero. In Ephesians 4.15, a little phrase Paul says is something that's always stuck in my mind. It's this, but speaking the truth, what? In love. But speaking the truth in love. There's the balance. I've always felt there are two great enemies of a preacher. Two great enemies. The first enemy is a departure from the truth, and the second is a chilling indifference to the people. Two great enemies. Departure from the truth, indifference to the people. There are many people who are out of balance there are people who have a great love for the people but don't ever give them the truth they don't ever diligently prepare to give them the truth there are people who give out the truth but could care less about the people and you fight to keep the balance sometimes in your ministry you get down to study and it's time to study so you can give them the truth but all of a sudden you face the fact that here's a person in your congregation who has a need and so you're caught in the balance between whether i stop and go do a deed of self-sacrifice or whether i keep studying am i going to concentrate on the preaching or the people That's not easy because the preaching is an act of love to the people. But that's the balance of priorities that you struggle with. I'm afraid, unfortunately, there are many preachers who who opt out on both ends, who in the name of love for the people water down what they say so much uh, that that's not really the kind of love the people need because it's love without any truth. And you know what happens? That kind of love doesn't protect them from error On the other hand, there are people who decide to opt out for the truth and don't love the people, and the people are soon convinced that God probably doesn't love them much more than the preacher does anyway. And so there has to be a balance. There are preachers with no love. There are preachers who have one objective, as Albert Barnes said in his old commentary, they have one objective, not to feed the flock, but to fleece it. They don't love the people. They're in there for fame or power or prestige or personal gain or to make money or to be somebody, and they're up for the highest bidder. That's true. Sad, but true. Let me show you one. Numbers 24:15, And this is about Balaam, the son of Baor. Numbers 24:15. Balaam, the son of Baor, has said, and the man whose eyes are open has said, he has said who heard the words of God and knew the knowledge of the Most High who saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance but having his eyes open. Now, there's a description of Balaam. I mean, he really got a good thing. And he says in verse 17, here's the prophecy, God, I shall see him, but not now. Something coming, but not yet. I shall behold him, but not near. It's going to be a while. And there shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Who is it? Well, no doubt the ultimate end of that prophecy is the Messiah. The scepter is connected with Genesis 49.10, and it's the Messiah. Listen, here is a man who was given the marvelous, unequaled privilege of predicting the Messiah. Man, you say, fantastic. That Balaam must have been something. No, he was nothing. say, Why? Verse 1 of chapter 25, it says in the second line there, the people began to commit harlotry with the daughters of Moab. Now, the prophet had told them about the Messiah, and now the next thing we find out, the people are committing whoredom with the daughters of Moab. You say, well, you we can't sure blame that on uh, Balaam, poor fellow, probably just didn't listen to him. No, look at Numbers 31, and I'll show you something. This is the commentary on Balaam. All this harlotry was bad news. In verse 16 of Numbers 31, Behold, these caused the children of Israel, these women, Moabite women, to commit trespass, notice, through the counsel of whom? Balaam. Now, wait a minute. Balaam, who knew the truth and spoke the truth, but he didn't love the people. The Moabites came and said, Hey, Balaam, how much you want? to corrupt the people of Israel. And they bought him off, and he enticed the children of Israel to commit whoredom for the Moabites. He was a prophet who spoke the truth but didn't love the people, right? You see, there has to be that. There's gotta be that genuine love for the people. Matthew 7:21 would draw your attention to another element of the same idea. Not everyone that said to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father in heaven Matthew 7, says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And he'll say to them in 23, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Counterfeit prophets. To speak the truth without love is nothing. It's empty. I remember a, a young girl came to me with tears in her eyes after I spoke one time, and she said, I have a Sunday school class here in the Acts group, and she said, I thought I loved those little girls there but she said I know now that I didn't love them because I never made any sacrifices on their behalf that's the essence of it do you love the people you preach to do you love them enough to make a sacrifice on their behalf in a personal way you see the power behind the message is the motive or the message is empty and the motive is is the love of God in our hearts shed abroad the power of the message isn't the vocabulary. It isn't the cleverness. It's the genuine loving heart of the man who has the message or the woman who has the message. How much do you love? Without love, eloquence is like the comparison between a melodious organ and a screeching siren. There's no music to a screeching siren and that's that's eloquence without love. The tongue without love is a snake. It hisses and it strikes and it poisons with its venom. Only love gives it gentleness and tenderness.
3: That's Grace to You Weekend with John MacArthur. Thanks for tuning in today. John is a pastor, author, and president of the Masters University and Seminary, and you just heard him continue his classic series, The Greatest of These. Now, John, going back to what you said today about knowledge, that knowledge is worthless without love, I think we all know people who love to debate theology or, or study religion, and they do it as a hobby, an intellectual hobby, in a loveless way. Do you have any practical advice on how to avoid that pitfall?
4: Yeah, I think uh, that is simply a, an effect, not a cause. I think what turns your ministry... And your handling of knowledge into love is the personal relationship you have with the source of that truth. Hmm. If I love the Lord Jesus Christ, then uh, I love his word because I love him. Um, It's it's almost inseparable for me to pull apart. I couldn't actually pull apart the Lord himself from his word. Hmm. When I think about the Bible, I think about the Lord I love and I want to love with all my heart, soul, mind and strength. So the truth of God that expresses the nature and will and desire and plan of the God I love with all my being is love language for me. And so to speak of that truth is to speak in love. And that's what Paul says to the Ephesians, speak the truth in love. It doesn't do any good to to argue with a cold, hard heart, to argue in, in a way that puts down another person, that demeans another person, belittles another person. There should be not only an evident love for the Lord, but an evident love for his truth, and then an evident love for the one to whom you're trying to convey that truth. Love should mark how we handle the truth. But having said that, I think you need to know the truth. If you're going to proclaim the truth at all, and especially with love, you need to know the truth— so I want to offer you a free book called How to Study the Bible. I said the word free. That, that's correct. It's a book, How to Study the Bible. We would love to get it in your hands. It's fine to love the Lord and and to love others, but you need to know the truth to be spoken in love. The Bible contains everything that you need to know about this life and the next. For that reason, you need to know how to study the Bible, how to dig into the Scripture and draw everything in there, out so it can bless your own life and the lives of those you influence. Again, we'll send you a free copy. If you've never contacted us before, we'll send you a free copy of the book How to Study the Bible. Just contact us today. It's for sale, by the way, to others of you, but for
3: first-timers it's free. Right, and whether you're looking to grasp the true meaning of a difficult passage, or apply biblical teaching to your marriage, or prepare to teach a small group, or whatever, this book will give you the tools you need. To get a copy of How to Study the Bible, free if you haven't called or written before, contact us today. Just go to our website, gty.org, or email your name, address, and request to letters at gty.org. You can also let us know you'd like this book by calling 800-55 grace How to Study the Bible starts with a look at why you can trust the Bible, and it includes an overview of important terms like inerrancy and infallibility. This book will also show you how to bridge the gaps of history and culture and language. It's especially helpful for a young Christian or someone new to reading the Bible. Again, we'll send it to you for free if you've never contacted us before. Just go to our website, gty.org. Or email us at letters at gty.org. Or you can call our toll-free number, 800-55-GRACE. And now for John MacArthur, I'm Phil Johnson, encouraging you to be back here at the same time next week. John's going to show you how Christ modeled genuine love and how you can put that kind of love into action. That's on the next installment of one of his most popular studies, The Greatest of These... Be here a week from now as we continue celebrating 50 years of unleashing God's truth, one verse at a time, on Grace To You Weekend.
1: Um, that was, from once again, John drama with The Promise of Love. And there was a girl that said that she didn't sacrifice anything, but I think... She sacrificed her time And to be with The children I think If that's what she did That showing love too I think So I don't think she Didn't sacrifice anything I think she did And Let's see now I'm going to Play a song This is a song called Love Like This by Go Fish Here on Tributory Love
5: local flood? This is Ken Ham, and we've produced the family-friendly Answers Bible Curriculum. Many Christians believe the flood of Noah's day was just a local flood. Now, where does this idea come from? Well, definitely not from the Bible. It's an attempt to fit the secular idea of millions of years into the Bible. You see, if there was a global flood, it would lay down rock layers we see all over the earth. And yet it's those rock layers that are interpreted as being millions of years old. A global flood washes away the millions of years. Those who believe the flood was local start with these ideas from outside scripture. They then reinterpret God's clear word to make it match those ideas. But fallible man should not the Al Authority.
6: Want to learn more about Noah's Ark and Noah's Blood? Visit our website, AnswersRadio.com. Listen to this program again or view a transcript at AnswersRadio.com.
5: Was the flood local? This is Ken Ham with a passion for sharing God's word with the world. Yesterday we learned the idea of a local flood of Noah's day comes from outside the Bible. But when we start with the Bible it's clear. The flood was global. Genesis tells us that during the flood all the high hills were covered with water. Now how is this possible if it wasn't a global flood? And why did Noah need to build an ark? The animals, birds, and even Noah and his family could have just moved out of the area. Also, how could every land-dwelling thing be destroyed? A local flood wouldn't destroy everything. And God said he'd never send another flood like it. But there have been thousands of local floods since then. The idea of a local flood, it ignores the Bible's clear teaching. It was global.
6: Learn more about our full-size Noah's Ark in northern Kentucky at AnswersRadio.com. Sign up for daily email insights from Ken Ham when you visit us at AnswersRadio.com.
5: ark a box? This is Ken Ham, author of the new book on effective evangelism called Gospel Reset. In 2016 we opened our full-size Noah's Ark attraction in northern Kentucky. Now the ark is a massive wooden ship. I sometimes get asked why we didn't build the ark in the shape of a box. While well, the Bible doesn't give us very many details about what the ark actually looked like. We just know the dimensions and a few other small features. And these dimensions don't imply it was box-shaped. After all, we can use dimensions to describe a car, but that doesn't mean it's box-shaped. We designed our ark as a ship because that shape provides great comfort and stability for the ark's passengers. But since the Bible doesn't tell us we can't be dogmatic About the odd shape.
6: View a full transcript of this program or listen to it again at AnswersRadio.com and sign up for daily email insights from Ken Ham when you go to AnswersRadio.com.
7: take it back to the foundation. Jesus Christ's impact and his salvation. I'm talking about Calvary where his blood was lost. I'm talking the reality of the rugged cross. I'm talking about death, burial, and resurrection. I'm talking about reconciliation and election. Yeah, I'm repetitive because we're slow learners. Just that truth music. I am a sojourner. Reporting to you live from the wilderness. We strive on the pilgrimage alive because he's building his tribes in the villages. Revive us and fill us with eyes diligent for our rival who pillages. Thank because he prowls around like a roaring lion, but he's surely dying before the Lord of Zion. Defeat one was the cross, soon comes another loss. Trust in Jesus, the ultimate undercover boss. And hey, yo, if you don't want the gospel, yo, turn this off. You want to hear a bunch of mumbling? Turn this off. You want misogyny and guns? Yo, turn it off. You got to turn it off, man. You got to turn it off. You want Jesus on the low? Yo, turn this off. You want me bragging about my flow? Yo, turn it off. You want what's on the radio? Yo, turn this off. You got to turn it off, man. You got Got to turn it off. I know it's been a while since I've been making songs. Some people even say, Shia, why you take so long? Sorry if you felt abandoned to hurt, but music took a back seat because we planted a church. How have I been? Thanks for asking. I can't complain. God is good. I've been enjoying my wife, enjoying fatherhood. I'm trying to think long-term sustainable. By God's grace, group, when I'm gone is still attainable. I want to see new birth and bound kids free. What good is making many waves if it tends to fade? I'm trying to produce works that outlive me. So God can use my pen to save when i'm in the grave writing this flying over the atlantic i just can't help but think about the titanic i preach christ because many without hope will drown this world is exactly like the boat it's going down hey yo if you don't want the gospel yo turn this off you want to hear a bunch of mumbling turn this off you want misogyny and guns yo turn it off you got to turn it off man you got to turn it off you want jesus on the low yo turn this off you want me bragging about my flow yo turn this off you want what's on the radio Yo, turn this off You got to turn it off, man You got to turn it off hey, yo, it feels like the days of Noah This world is post-Christian The glory days are over cat thirsty for the fame and with cell so they babble as they try to make a name for themselves. They're shallow with mirth, they try to flex and rebel, but what you swallow on earth will be digested in hell. It's so profound. You joke around, you get broken down by Christ who holds the crown and sees through you like an ultrasound. He's the reason I write a piece of advice. Trust Jesus to Christ, no matter your season of life. Believe God and his promise Serve with fervor before he plays the dishonest third shift worker. A thief in the night, Jesus the light of the world. He's our delight. The reason that believers he won't leave us to fight our previous life, the deviant type, by God's grace get immediate sight. Hey yo, if you don't want the gospel, yo, turn this off. You want to hear a bunch of mumbling? Turn this off. You want misogyny and guns? Yo, turn this off. You got to turn it off, man, you got to turn it off. You want Jesus on the low? Yo, turn this off. You want me bragging about my flow? Yo, turn it off. You want what's on the radio? Yo, turn this off. You got to turn it off, man, you got to turn it off. Yeah, you know I mean? shout out to all my christian soldiers repping jesus christ on the front lines big juice what up bless nazarite i see you yo eshan what up man jackie hill perry keep rapping, them sis no matter what keep rapping them keep rapping
5: them the ark would it float This is Ken Ham on a mission to call the church back to God's word and the gospel. Would a massive wooden ship like Noah's Ark actually float? Well, with the right design, the Ark would have no problems floating for five months before it landed on the mountains of Ararat. Ancient cultures used to build huge wooden ships that successfully floated. Actually, as recently as a century ago, there was a wooden schooner, the Wyoming, in use. Now, skeptics often bring up the Wyoming to say the ark could never have floated because this wooden ship twisted in the water and sank. What they don't tell you is that this ship transported thousands of tons of coal for 14 years before it sank. History shows us that properly designed wooden ships can certainly float.
6: Want to discover more about God's Word, the flood, the ark, and more? Visit our website at AnswersRadio.com. You can also listen to this program again at AnswersRadio.com. Blessed assurance,
0: Jesus is my
5: This is Ken Ham, author of the eye-opening book Six Days and Church Compromise. Today there are millions of species. Therefore, many skeptics claim there's no way they'd all fit on the ark. Well, they're right. But Noah didn't have to cram millions of species onto the ark. You see, God told Noah to take two of every kind of land-dwelling, air-breathing animal. Now, research has shown that the kind is roughly equivalent to family in our modern classification system. So Noah didn't need two tigers, two lions, and two leopards. He only needed two of the cat kind. And remember, he only needed the land animal kinds. So how many animals did Noah need? Probably less than 7,000. There was plenty of room on the earth.
6: Learn about Noah's Ark and the Flood at AnswersRadio.com and plan your visit to the Ark Encounter with its full-size Noah's Ark in Northern Kentucky at AnswersRadio.com. We
0: kick it old school. We kick it old school. We kick it old school. We We kick it old school. It old school. Come on, come on, don't miss the latest craze. Hit it for a minute, then it's on to the next phase. Easy come, easy go, the marketers will hock it. The only change that comes winds up in a pocket. Cool and we're here to kick it old school Here we go, you know we're going retro We're cool as a rule Yeah, we kick it old school We kick it old school We kick it old school Suddenly emerging like a moldy piece of bread We act as if the holy word of God is all but dead All we need to know is right there on the page as with who the guy in stage is Dance the hottest dance Get the latest buzzy You're gonna find out Jesus wasn't very fuzzy, was he? You can take the news out You can keep the flood. The Bible is our tool And we're here to kick it old school Here we go, you know we're going
1: G-O-F-I-S-H-G-O-I-S-S dot C-O, com. And now here this is what? When we understand the text here on two feet over Rigging.
8: There are a lot of false teachings in the world. Paganism, Gnosticism, Buddhism, Hinduism, Sikhism, Taoism, Confucianism, Shamanism, even Judaism. Polytheism, Pantheism, Deism, Darwinism, Naturalism, Secular Humanism, Feminism, Agnosticism, Atheism, and Islamism. All these different ways to get to God or be a God or deny God. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but by me. Of course, not everything that claims to be of Christ is truly of Christ. Like Catholicism, Mormonism, Unitarian Universalism, Oneness Pentecostalism, Heaven Tourism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Eastern Orthodoxy, Word of Faith, the New Apostolic Reformation, and Rob Bell. So why all these false religions and teachers? Why would God allow there to be so many, many lies? Two reasons testing and judgment. The Bible says of those who refuse to love the truth and so be saved, God sends them a strong delusion, so that they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in their sin. In Deuteronomy thirteen we are told, If a prophet or dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder and says, Let us go after other gods, you shall not listen to that false prophet, for the Lord your God is testing you, to know whether you you love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul. When it comes down to it, there are only two religions: you either worship the created or the Creator. When we understand
1: the text, once again, that is what when we understand the text, and that is on YouTube as WWTT and on their website at www.tt.com. And check them out. That's when we understand the facts. This is me, Liz is here on Truth Be Told Radio. You see our website, go to truthbetullradio.com, truthbetoldradio.com T-R-U-T-H-B-E-T-O-L-D-R-A-D-I-O.C-O, com. If you want to find out my personal website to learn about me, in my testimony go to freewebs dot com slash smiles and stuff that's F-R-E-E-W-E-B-S dot c o forward slash smiles s m i l e s and a m d s t u f f thanks for listening to me and next i'm going to do a song, this is from Shylin, and this is One Day, here yeah, on Trooply
7: Yeah, man, it's crazy how time flies. My mind tries to sit still, thinking how does one define why? How you can go from most demanded to abandoned in the ocean stranded Surrounded by the waves of your weariness Some things you only learn from age and experience And it's plain to me that all the famous men you see The time is coming when they will be a faded memory Cause one day you hot, the next day you not One day you on top, next day you get dropped, yeah What in the world was your mind thinking? You couldn't see the sand of time sinking. Cause one day you hot, the next day you not. One day you on top, next day you get dropped, yeah. Better plans for the future, kid. Time catches up to everyone, no matter who yeah. it is. Whatever happened to so-and-so, that's what they wanna know. Eventually we learn that they all come and go. Today's rising star, tomorrow dies with scars. Today they all struck, tomorrow you washed up. I remember watching Jordan's Hall of Fame speech. Thinking This is what it's like to watch the lame reach gas gasp, but he tries to grasp what lies in the past, never to return what lies in the past. Did he tell himself, was he lost or sober? Did he know it was all but over the moment that AI crossed him over? If I could be like, didn't include dying light. Let's shine the light on the one they call Iron Mike. Nowadays, he's known for being all weird, but back in 88, nobody was more feared. The peak of his powers His opponents would retreat In moments he would eat and devour snuff with punches But we must discuss this Crushed it just enough To trust his toughness Pride brings us to justice You puffed up with smugness You gonna meet Buster Douglas Amazing that Which blazed like Petro The new praise that made The waves in the Metro Was praised for days But just a phase like Retro And phase like Echoes 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 Cause one day you hot, the next day you not One day you on top, next day you get dropped, yeah What in the world was your mind thinking? You couldn't see the sand of time sinking. Because one day you hot, the next day you not. One day you on top, next day you get dropped, yeah. Better plan for the future, kid. Time catches up to everyone, no matter who it is. What I'm speaking on is seriously welcomed by the few. Even no experience to tell you that it's true. On your radio station, this won't be found on the playlist. Wisdom, the sound of the stages, resounding for ages. The older I get, I notice it. The whole of the script, hmm, it's found in the pages. The holy writ, not the cat speech of the reverence, but what a man sees under heaven, Ecclesiastes 111, no matter who you are, death aims to stop you, whether banker, doctor, or Frank Sinatra, before your time is done, meet the timeless one, the dying, death-defying, rising, shining sun, King Jesus, astounds and amazes, he pounded the pavement to save those who were bound to their cages, so let us praise the one who made the everglades, our debt was paid, so in glory we'll never fade, never fade, never fade.
9: Listen carefully to, I think, a thoughtful, balanced response from Dr. John MacArthur at an event from, give or take, about a decade ago regarding Calvinism versus Arminianism. Now, you're probably one or the other. If not, this will be a bit of an introduction to you. Might I ask both camps, both sides, to at least consider what Dr. John MacArthur is setting forth?
4: Now, let me do it this way. Okay, I'm going I'm to give you a little test. Um, do you believe that God is sovereign in salvation? Of course. We went through that today. Do you believe God chooses who will be saved? Of course. Do you believe the Father draws? Yes. Do you believe that the, the Son keeps? Yes. Do you believe the Son raises? Yeah. It's all sovereign. It's all predestined. It's all established. Absolutely right. This is what the Bible says. Uh, do you believe that um, whosoever will may come? Yes. This is what the Bible says. Um, do you believe that God finds no pleasure in the death and judgment of the wicked? Yes. Uh, do you believe that uh, Jesus wept because sinners wouldn't repent? Of course. Uh, do you, are you willing to call all sinners to repent? And do you believe they're responsible if they don't come? Yes. Well, how, how, how do you harmonize that? I don't know. I don't know how to harmonize that. Well, you're, you're asking too much of me. I'm not God. You want my little peanut pea pusillanimous brain to grasp that? Give me a break. It's not my problem, but, but the one thing I can't do is is deny what Scripture says. Uh, this will comfort you. Who wrote Romans? This is basic Christianity 101 here. Who wrote Romans? can't answer the question can you why all of Paul all his vocabulary all his heart all his thoughts all his words all of God and yet not mechanical I'll ask, since you did so well on that question I'll ask you another one um, who lives your Christian life God so you want to hold him responsible for the condition of your Christian life? Who lives your Christian life? This is pretty it's pretty basic, right? You're doing it right now, every day. Who's living your Christian life? You say, I am. Really? You say, God is. I don't know whether you could convince everybody who knows you. <laughs> you can't even answer that question. Listen to what Paul said. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I. He didn't know either. (laughs) This is the divine mystery. It's all of me and all of him, and what's wrong is me and what's right is him. In every major doctrine of the Bible, in every major doctrine, you have an apparent paradox that you cannot resolve. I know that I'm kept eternally, secured by God, but I also know I'm commanded to persevere in faith. Two sides of the same thing. I know I can't be saved unless I'm chosen and called, and I know I can't be saved unless I'm willing to repent and believe. I don't have to harmonize it, but nor can I deny those things. And in the end, mark it, folks, in the end, God will get all the glory for every righteous thing that is done because it is all his work. So, rather than answering the question by removing your confusion, I just spread your confusion over a wider area. (laughs) And you rest in the fact that you don't need to grasp the mysteries that are clear in the mind of eternal God. God elects. It's clear.
9: Man has genuine human responsibility. It's clear. How do you reconcile friends? You don't need to. They're already reconciled, even if we cannot grasp it. If you happen to be a progressive, liberal, squishy, seeker-sensitive sort of a Christian, prepare yourself. According to you, I'm about to use a swear word. If you are not participating in some way, shape, or form in the Great Commission, being obedient to the command our Lord left us when he said, Go and make disciples, then you are, here it comes, sinning. There, I said it. This is one way. There are other ways. We're simply trying to provide you with the easiest way possible to be obedient to the command to preach the gospel. This is called Don't Stub Your Toe. It is a thorough law gospel presentation. You can simply give it to somebody, leave it on the table at the restaurant. Pass it off to the drive through person as you're putting your foot on the gas. Whatever you do, consider getting 12 and leave one with somebody once a month. Get 52 once a week. By the time the year is done, you can look back and say, Hey, this is the year I wasn't sinning. Get yourself some copies of Don't Stub Your Toe at org. That was from
1: Wretched and their YouTube page, W-R-E-T-C-H-E-D, Wretched. And also you can see them at wretched.org. And here's another one. This one's called Female Elders.
9: Dr. John MacArthur, talking about the role of women, please note before you get offended by this, this is not Dr. John MacArthur's opinion you will notice he dives immediately into the Bible because the issue is not what do white European males prefer, but the question is, what does God
4: command? Does Scripture allow for women eldership? This seems to be the direction of some churches today. Absolutely and unequivocally not. I mean, look, this. How can a woman be an elder when an elder has to be a one-woman man? What is that? It doesn't make any sense. How can a woman be an elder when it says in 1 Timothy 2 that I permit not a woman to teach or to take authority over men? There's no way. What you have to do is reject the Scripture, convolute the Scripture, reinvent the Scripture, twist the Scripture, Um I look at First Timothy 2. It might be worth just a glance at that because it's kind of the key text. And, uh, and the, but this, the thing that concerns me and the reason I'm real strong on that is because it's an attack on Scripture. If you want to know something quite interesting, the 20th century is the first century When the traditional conviction of the church on this issue has been overturned. In fact, 1960 was the first time that this began to be attacked. That's a pretty good legacy of consistent interpretation of a very clear text. Um, Let a woman, verse 11, receive instruction with entire submissiveness. And by the way, this is about the church, chapter 3, verse Fifteen, how to conduct yourself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. So this is about life in the church. One, let a woman receive instruction with entire submission. I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. This is not cultural. This is creation. It was Adam first created, then Eve. It was not Adam deceived. The woman being deceived fell into transgression. It was the divine creative order and the demonstration of the fact that when the woman got out from under the authority of the man and acted independently, she was deceived. Um, That is the the affirmed biblical pattern. And just to support that, there's no woman in the Old Testament had an ongoing prophetic ministry. There are a couple of occasions where God used a woman to speak, uh, but there is no woman in the Old Testament with an ongoing prophetic ministry, None. There is no woman who wrote a book of the Bible, either the Old Testament or the New Testament. There is no woman among the apostles. There is no New Testament woman with a prophetic ministry, although the four daughters of Philip did speak. There's no basis for thinking anything other than that God has upheld this in his design all the way through. Uh, It is not to say that women are inferior. They are not. They are equal in Christ. They are equal spiritually. They are equal in value, uh, equal before God. It is just a matter of the roles that God has designed for them to play. But verse 15 is the balancing element. Verse 15 says women are preserved or saved from what? From some stigma, some second-class consideration through the bearing of children, if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. Look, men have leadership in the church. You say, well, how, uh, isn't there a significant role for women? Sure, it's, a, it's the balance of women bearing children. Uh, you know, we know this in the family. I mean, I'm, I'm the head of the house, and, you know, I, I have ultimate responsibility, although I, I want to submit to my, my wife uh, as, as she submits to me. I want to meet her needs. Um, but at the, in the end of the day, I've given the headship of the family and the responsibility. As First Corinthians says, God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of the man. The man is the head of the woman. But women are protected from some second-class consideration through the bearing of children. You know, I'm the, I'm the head of the house, and I say what ought to be done. But Patricia is the one who has all the influence. And even my two sons, who are men, if they, if they want to unburden their heart, I'll always go to their mother. There's a level of influence that is really profound in, in the intimacy of rearing children, provided that women continue in faith and love and virtue and self-restraint. A godly woman as a keeper at home, a lover of her husband, a lover of her children, Paul says, is going to have the greatest impact, not if she comes to lead the church, but if she uses her influence. I actually kind of have a little follow-up to that then as well. Uh, it says... It's, In the Bible, it says a woman should go to her husband for spiritual questions. Do you think Bible studies are wise for women in church? Yeah, I think women, uh, I think a great host, the Bible says, are women that publish the good news. I think women should come together uh, to, to pray. I think uh, there are informal settings where women can pray, where they can be engaged in Bible studies. I don't have a problem with women having Bible studies. How could I? There are women who are gifted teachers. There are women who know the truth. And there's nothing in the Bible that says a woman doesn't uh, can't teach, uh, that she can teach other women. She can teach children. Uh, you remember Aquila and Priscilla, b- both of them uh, instructed Apollos more perfectly in a way in a private home setting. So uh, this is not to say anything about giftedness. I think women can express leadership. They can engage in Bible study. They can teach women and teach children. But what they cannot do is take the pastoral place or the role of the teacher and the preacher in the church as duly assembled.
9: And that's a guiding principle that will likely help you answer almost any question what exactly is the role of women in the church think pastoral eldership synonymous terms does this task this assignment this position usurp that role if it does bothen. if it doesn't most likely It should be okay. Now, I do realize that different people in different churches are going to come up with somewhat different answers to that question. But I think as a principle, if the women's role, whatever it happens to be inside of the church, that doesn't mean outside of the church. That's a different debate on roles of men, women in government, society, family, Home, different conversation completely. But in the church, as long as she is not giving the impression I'm taking over here, then I would suggest you that is a principle that will likely guide what roles you ascribe to women in your church. And now to bring you a
4: very special
9: message our very own Adrian. All right, Adrian,
4: go. Uh, Thank you to our our gospel partners. We are doing this because of you. We cannot do this without your support. And if you're not a gospel partner, what a great time of year (laughs) to become a gospel partner. Visit wretched.org slash donate. Um, It it allows us to do this. Your ongoing monthly support is why we're able to do this. So thank you in advance for uh, supporting Wretched and what we do. We appreciate you. We can't do it without you. (laughs)
0: <laughs> look
1: at look at the time, What he said at wretched. dot org. Like they said, it's from. It's uh, you can find out more of them on wretched. dot org, And here's another one from them. It says, I don't think that verse means what you think it means. Here, truthy you.
9: This verse has been used. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and I will heal their land. As if this verse were written for America. Question, would the original audience have thought this is for like a really super powerful country in the future? If they didn't know this is for his chosen people. This is for Israel at that time under that covenant. Furthermore, let's dive into this text just for a little bit. Step one, observation. I'm in the Old Testament. He's speaking to Solomon the king about Israel, my people, not the U.S. of A. Verse 14 is connected to verse 13. God is going to send a drought, locusts, and pestilence if they don't obey. That's fulfillment of the Mosaic covenant. Three things that are in view here, drought, locusts, and pestilence if they will humble themselves and repent god will stop the drought locusts and pestilence not raise up a ronald reagan republican and decrease our trade deficit and rid the land of pornography so that we can all live like we think it's the 1950s this is not what that verse is even close to saying consider remember it's it's drought it's locusts it's famine And if they repent, he'll heal them of those things. What does that have to do with a political party? What does that have to do with government? Absolutely nothing. It has to do with the Mosaic Covenant. So that's my observation. Now I'm going to interpret it. If God's chosen people will repent, then he will respond with forgiveness, mercy, and healing. God's chosen people in this context, meaning the Jews. Step three, principalization. I need to remember Old Testament physical blessings. America is not Israel. Here it is. If I repent, God will relent. If I repent, God won't throttle me. That is a promise we see all throughout Scripture, not just in this verse. I see this theme repeated. If you repent, I'm not going to thrash you. I'll discipline you. You stop it, I will, I'll, I will get back to doing good things for you. That's what I can learn from a principle. If I repent, God will relent. Step four, application. There's a lot. God threatens to discipline, but if we repent, he will relent. Doesn't make him a liar. It makes him consistent with his nature. This is important to remember when people say, well, God changed his mind. No, no, no. When God changes his mind, it's because he was threatening. But what's the principle? What's the law here? If you repent, I'll relent. So when they repent and he relents, he didn't change his mind like, oh, I didn't know. (laughs) That's my promise. So. Recognizing that, that God changes his mind doesn't undermine the sovereignty of God. It actually enhances it. God doesn't delight in punishment, he prefers forgiveness and healing. Yeah, you can see that in all over the Bible. God doesn't want his children to sin. There are consequences for sin. When I'm weak, I can remember that God is a saving and healing God. God is good and God is kind. God can forgive even me. And I will do well to be a repenting Christian and not face discipline. That's a lot, and that's way richer for me as a believer than hearing it at the steps of a Washington rally that God is going to make America great again through an election. Here's another one from Richard. This
1: is Tom Brady Married a Witch. Here on Tripatory. It's time for Wretched Radio with Tom
8: Friel.
9: Focus, please. I can't. This is Wretched Radio. Joey, was that Swami Param in that opener?
8: Oh, yeah. Was
0: that his name? I believe so.
9: Yeah, the guy who was saying, baptism. Let's just make a little pool and we'll all just jump in it and call it baptism. No, it's a sacred Christian rite. That was a Hindu swami. From probably 15 years ago when we were at KKMS, the cinder block bunker in the middle of a field in Egan, Minnesota, this fellow came onto the program. He was very upset that yoga is being Christianized because yoga, like baptism, is a sacred Christian rite. It is there, it is actually, it is actually probably, if you had to weigh. The significance of it it probably has even more significance in hinduism because yoga that is the, the emptying of the brain mindfulness the whole shebang the breathing the mantras all of that emptying the brain to get connected to the divine that's how you do it you lose you so that you can basically live on forever correct connected to the great big nothingness it, it's not a very hopeful worldview in my estimation but this guy recognize that's what yoga is and you christians who are doing christian yoga look if you want to do, if we look at the way the pagans do their yoga business okay hey that's an interesting way to stretch oh that's interesting that could be a helpful way to help somebody with their lower back go ahead and do it but don't call it yoga and watch out for the breathing business and just let it let it go and the last thing that you ever want to do is have a goat on top of your back while you're doing it. Have you seen the goat yoga? <laughs> you talk about a pit rock trend. Goat Unbelievable. Yoga. It's goat, goat yoga. yoga. You go to a Why? farm. <laughs> because, because, don't be so gruff with me, you go to the farm, and then while you're doing the yoga, the little goats wander around and crawl on top of you, lick your face, whatever. They call it goat yoga. All righty, then. That's special. I'm not a Hindu, and I'm offended by that. Swami Param, hey, eh? don't try to Christianize that, which is not. Now, we shouldn't need the Swami to tell us that. We, we, we should, actually, just need our Bibles to tell us that. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't empty your brain. Engage your brain. Don't, don't sweep every thought and desire out. Get them in right alignment with the truth, with the Word of God. Well, we don't need Swami Param to tell us that we've got Romans twelve one and two. So with the Christian yoga, you can't. I mean, that's like saying, you know, let's do something Catholic Protestant. Well, no, because they're like no, you can't put the two together. It's it's like. Let, let's, let's do, oh, why did I bother, let, I'm terrible at analogies, let's do some hot cold. Okay, actually, that probably is something that exists. I think it's, is that Salon pause. Icy Hot. Icy Hot? Okay. (laughs) But you, it's one or the other. You're not, the the same thing can't do the same thing at the same time. Christian yoga do not go together any more than lemon juice and ice. Milk. And speaking of patterns of this world, so many people still talking about this from the Super Bowl. Giselle Buntkin, Yeah. I believe is how you pronounce Bundchen. her name. Mrs. Green. So she's a little bunt. What's a bunt, Joey? Uh, it's the, the cake
8: with a, you know, it's a, it's a ring and it's got the different size little <sighs> segment. A bunt? Yeah. She's a small bunt cake. She's, she's a, a small bunt
9: cake. Well, whatever, but look up bunt in German, because the chen at the end, like made chen, little girl. It, it, it's, I guess, a diminutive add-on to make the word less than. So what I got to, now I got to know what a bunt is. And I'm going to say it is a
8: thing. cheese shredder. That's
9: what I'm going to go with, cheese shredder. She's a little cheese shredder. Actually, she calls herself a little witch, (laughs) but a good one, she claims. Apparently, she's persuaded Tom Brady to be about the power of intention and believe things that are really going to happen. Visualize it, and you'll do it. Okay, that is a pattern of this world. That is not a Christian idea. We change our thinking about reality. We suddenly see it the way that God sees it, which is the right way to see it, and then we act. And if we have success, praise God, and if we don't, praise God. Either way, whether today for you has been ordained to be nothing but fun, you're you're just, it's a whoop de doo Valentine's weekend, and I'm going away with my honey and we're having chocolate-covered strawberries. Praise God. But it might be that you're going to wake up and the pain is still there. It's unrelenting. You might wake up to the phone ringing and being informed a child that you love has been hurt. Uh, whatever it is, we should be able to wake up and say, this is the day the Lord has made. We, we have a tendency to think on Easter Sunday, this is the day the Lord's made. We're all dressed up. Got the Easter lilies, it really smells good in church for a change. This is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. If you look at the text, it doesn't say only on good days. Your day has been custom ordered and designed by God. You say, well, what about the bad stuff? Well, define bad stuff. Giving you an illness is not a sin. Ending somebody's life is not a sin. Murder is. He has no part in that. But God uses what he hates to accomplish what he loves. God uses what he hates to accomplish what he loves. God uses sin sinlessly. But he doesn't ever cause it. He doesn't do it. He's not a participant in sin and wickedness and evil, committing of crimes. That, look, if God wants to take your stuff, he can take your stuff. And, and and if that's the desire that he has for you because it's good for you, then then praise God because this is the day the Lord has made. Now what about the crime? The the criminal who took it from you? That's on them. Doesn't have anything to do with God. God uses sin sinlessly to accomplish what he loves. He uses what he hates. Tom Brady, apparently following the
8: Bundkin, which means coffee. Or less commonly, wristband.
9: Like I said, cheese shredder. I don't know. Right know You're in the front row. It's that. It's that. That Apple Watch. It also serves as a cheese shredder. It's amazing what they're doing with technology. The host is never on. It's a wristband. Yeah, or cuff.
8: Well, why would like those that are linked with cuff why, links. tied together is the actual word for word translation of it. Okay, so this must have this
9: must come from somebody who did that. They made cuffs. Maybe they were tailors.
8: Well, there's a uh, there's a newspaper in Switzerland called uh, Der Bund. Uh, I think it's Swiss Austrian, and that means union. So similar to being tied together.
9: No, actually, th- that that's not what it means. It still means off the cuff because that's how they put their newspaper together. They just wait for the last <laughs> second, throw it out. That's. Any other questions, Joey? About anything German? Tutani. Uh-huh. I'm done. Brady said Boonkin always makes a little altar for me at the game because she just wills it so much. Huh? Power of intentionality. The power of thinking. And you say, well, that's kind of goofy. Oh, no, that's kind of made its way into the Christian church. Speak it. Visualize it. See it. Then become it. And do it. Because you've got to follow your heart, which is the worst advice possible. That is the... When you follow the advice of the heart, which is always bad advice because it's one-sided and always favorable toward self, it is the heart collapsing on itself. That's what loving and following your heart and believing in your dreams, that's what it gets you. And I have these special little stones, said Mr. Six-Time Super Bowl champion, and I healing too, stones. I did surgery took care of it. And protection stones. And she has, <laughs> she has me wear a necklace. And take these drops she makes, I say all these mantras, and I stopped questioning her a long time ago. I was just, shut up and listen. Why? Um, Unsubstantiated, unable to make a correlation or even a connection. About four years ago, we were playing the Seahawks, and she said, you better listen to me. This is your year, but this is all the things you're going to have to do to win. And I did all those things, and believe it or not, he actually said, by God, (laughs) Isn't it amazing how often unbelievers and rank pagans, god-haters, invoke his name? Whether to express, I love it when you hear a Muslim, do the OMG. Really? Really? Okay. It worked, he said. Did it?
8: How do you know? They won. Answer, you don't. Just so you know, witchcraft is not the only thing the Brady's are into. Uh oh. According to Tom, they try you know little bits of everything.
9: No, a little mixture of this, a little dollop of that. Damn it! Mean, they're old country buffet folks. They're, they're syncretists. Them. They just whip the whole thing together. Once again, designing is that fast? it's like psychology. I understand how the world operates, and I'm going to tell you, based on my knowledge, how you should be thinking and behaving, because it's 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 me. I mean, chutzpah, same thing is true. Warsaw, with God, you're going to design him? Wow, this is Wretched Radio.
1: Find out more about Wretched at wretched.org. wretched.org. And now here's a song from Shiloh
10: called Darling Mystery. You know, Troopy Tory.
7: We can see your design trace But since the fall This world is such an unkind place We're crying face Seeking the devil's wine taste In my case I was just on a blind chase A mind waste Trapped in my nine ways, but Christ breaks himself, entered into time-space. The vine breaks, so the branches could find grace. When light's rays hit the soul, the paradigm shakes. Sublime race run at a predefined pace. Now me and Jesus are closer than intertwined lace, and by faith, we behold his divine face. So as we're lifting up our praise to so you, receive it, Lord. The object of our affection, whom we adore, falling in our misery. You daughter into history, the pardon of iniquity, startling the mysteries.
11: Oceans, the plains, mountains, the rain, the universe proclaims the glory of your name, and what am I that you called me to your sight, and took this out of stone and broke it open white.
7: source of every man's breath your mysteries the sharpest of minds can't guess they stand perplexed can't fathom what you plan next in the garden we failed your commands test we transgress. now our world is a grand mess lord you're perfect so why should you demand less Man's best is only a sinking sand quest But through Christ, watch God's saving hand
10: flex Redeem the people north, south, east, and west Glorious robes in the
7: promised land dress We stand blessed, all because of the Lamb's death So as we're lifting up our praise to you, receive it, Lord The object of our affection, who we adore Falling in our misery, daughter into history The pardon of iniquity, startling the mystery
11: Oh shun the plains The mountains, the rain, the universe proclaims the glory of your name. And what am I that you called me to your side and took this out of stone and broke it open wide?
7: Hallelujah to Jesus, the sovereign ruler. This is not a rumor. Got the truth, so we about to screw you. Check out a style maneuver. Shout it to you like the loudest group. Christ put us up from out the sewer. We don't have to doubt the future. Crafting our verse. As we bask in his worship, you asking the purpose, partly to fetch hat from the furnace. Who Through this extravagant service, immaculate purchase, he was smashing the serpent, and we only scratching the surface. He's the seed that was conceived in the womb of a virgin, the sun emerges in the manger while the angels serenade amidst the birth of the Savior. The greater and became a man, came as a lamb, and would be executed to execute the plan to substitute the sand. In the place of the wicked on the cross he was lifted But we considered him stricken and afflicted Just like the prophets predicted He came at the proper moment to stop his opponent And laid out his life to offer atonement He's the most magnificent The total antithesis of insufficient, The blessed, the glorious, splendid, transcendent Difficult to comprehend Independent of space and time But presently present Suspending the heavens with speech From coast to coast He
8: speaks peace to wind and seas Got heavenly hosts Easily posted on bended knees Controls the cosmos With the most authority So we both in the most most to to exalted King Christ the Prince He's the sovereign thriller, the awesome killer, the law fulfiller, the solemn killer, the floral villain, no god goddess willer, yeah We can take any time in the scripture, which the gate is the prominent the picture See his light shining right in the night and it's fright in the might in the diamond in the mixture See his name at all the Ronaldo, when he came for the loss that he found low He was tamed in floss all around but remain for the manger, the cross or the crown Yo, Satan had a shirt hold on him, Fight for the rope with doping then All to the eyes to the S to the E to the N, that's what we hoping in Riffen on his spell check, the risen king can rinse clean, the most rebellious, I was hellbound, now I'm spellbound Word is born, I'm a born servant to the word of life uh, Call me a sellout, I was bought with a price We gotta hope they won't fail us when we return to the dust We will rise up just like the one who justified us It's not wishful thinking when the truth's thinking We are clinging to the promises that God bringing an everlasting kingdom Nothing can compare to the worth of what we inherited Nothing in heaven known earth can measure what Christ merited The skies declare the affairs of his glorious care The God who is who's aware who delights in our prayer His purposes are permanent and perfectly prepared Fortunate everything that orbits around his glory, subordinate. He is the most excellent one. Intrinsic, infinite son, pre-eminent the name par excellence, prenom phenomenon. He's beyond phenomenon. You see, the father of cosmology, the hopper of astronomy. He
7: Potter we a pottery. It's shocking. Jesus died for me. The father he adopted me and constantly provides for me. Whether or not I got degrees, you gotta see his odyssey from sovereignty and lottery to poverty and robbery. To resurrected, bodily, apocalyptic prophecy. He's stopping all the mockery and scholarly snobbery that don't. Acknowledge him properly. You ought to be on bended knee before the preeminent. It's awfully arrogant to reject him to your detriment. Study the development from Old to New Testament. You'll find a theme that's prevalent from age to age. It's relevant. Christ is on its center Forget religious sentiments that center on man with something less than your settling.
0: He is the most excellent, exercising benevolence and blessing a remnant with the benefits of his inheritance. Yeah. The sin of sinners that separated and segregated, that severed the relations between man and his maker and placed Christ on his Costly cross and compensated His life, death, and resurrection, emancipated and gave us freedom from it all, freedom from the effects of the fall, freedom from Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden and from the law. So the saints stand and applaud His grace and glorious cause with hand praise, praising His name, singing glory to God. <laughs>
1: Christ, that is Supreme by Shatlin And now we have Blessed Shirt Oh, you know Bible Book Bop by Bo Fish Bible Book Bop Bop, bop, bop,
0: bop, Bible book. We'll do the Bible book. bop, 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 Bible book. We'll do the Bible book. bop, 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 bop. ba ba bop, 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 Genesis, Exodus, bop. ba 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 bop, 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 bop. ba ba bop, 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 bop. bop, the bop, 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 bop. First and second king, uh-huh. first and second Chronicles it makes me wanna sing. And do the bop, do the bop, come on, oh yeah. Do the Bible book, bop, bop, Do the Bible book, bop, 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 book, bop, bop. Soak it in your brain like water, and I'm up and do the Bible book, bop, 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 bop. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, do the bop, do the bop, bop, bop. A crazy ass sing song a song to sing. Mike and Ahan do the Bobby, do the oh, yeah. do the Bobby, do, do, do the Bobby, we'll do, we'll do the Bobby, do so do the Bobby, do the what
1: Spelled S H A I L I N E. If you want to find out more about them go, Shannon. I mean, actually, record mode. Oh, yeah, uh, Lamp Mode, I mean. Sorry. Lamp Mode dot com. that Mode dot com. L-A-M-P-M-O-D dot. See on his name. Spelled S-H-A-I-N-L-I-N-N-E. This is Shannon with Stand Up on on Tori. Hey, yo, they
7: said it was over, man. They said it was over. But it ain't over, we just getting started Yo 7000, we all at, let's go Stand up, stand up If you truly love the son of man Trust, Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive And his fame is gonna spread across the land What's up, stand up. With Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. resurrection. More power than gravity. His knowledge and strategies confound the academy. Bow to his majesty. He paid sin's salary, took up blame on Calvary. Those who love his name, spread his fame, is the policy. All eyes on the match with price of his sacrifice. Let's prize a master Christ and rise. rise in the afterlife. What did we forget about the holiness of God or something? Did we forget that God owes us the rod or something? See the snake bruise when Christ came to say dudes who hate truth. The gospel is not fake news. Our Send the gospel sweeter than it's ever been Ain't nothing changed, let us in, we got the medicine It's still human emergency, the serpent attack You think Jesus can't save? That's alternative facts Stand up, stand up If you truly love the Son of Man Trust, Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive And his fame is gonna spread across the land What's up? Stand up, stand up Does anybody love the Son of Man? Trust, Jesus is the King so his people will In my composition. Lots of rhythm, but not traditional, no kind of different. But God's consistent, no contradiction, my proposition. Through crucifixion, he mocked and crippled his opposition. It's not some fiction, I'm spitting, the Son of God is risen. And my incentive for godly living is I'm forgiven. Jesus came to unlock the prison. And through the spirit, he brings a new birth like an obstetrician. At times I listen, to a lot of Christian hip hop is missing. The proper vision is my suspicion, we dropped the mission. Not to this, but the word of God is it not sufficient? The doctrine is that the gospel fixes, our. Condition. God the Spirit supplies conviction through proper diction Against the backdrop of our tradition, the gospel glistens A squad of Christians go out and witness that God's commission Cause Jesus Christ got the top position, no competition Stand up, hands up, if you truly love the Son of Man Trust, Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive And his fame is gonna spread across the land What's up? Stand up, hands up Does anybody love the Son of Man? Trust, Jesus is the King so his people will want Jesus in the background like elevator music, but we gon' celebrate him, relegate him, we refuse it, they hate Christian hip-hop, I peep myself, they say we too redundant, well let me repeat myself, what I gotta say almost feels too real estate, sit back and feel the weight of what a real estate, cause yo, Jesus Christ got me into real estate, I'm purchased property, I feel like I'm real estate, if the father wasn't gracious, no synonym, can't. he came straight blameless, no synonym, can't. nothing's been the same since, no synonym, can't. Fakers lack is fragrance, no synonym This is not the picture in a frame, to still Jesus Nah, we serve the rock, the harder than still Jesus So how are we gonna be silent, let the world still Jesus When the world and its trends pass away, it's still Jesus
0: Beautiful, beautiful You never change, never change Forever you reign, you remain the Beautiful, beautiful, you never change, never change Forever you reign, you remain the same You will never change, you will never change Beautiful,
11: beautiful, you never change, never change When I think about my own and downs, all of my inconsistencies, all of my idiosyncrasies, still you pursue relentlessly. At times I wonder how this can be, surely it's because of the cost, when Jesus paid the full penalty, and bore the burden of sin's great cost. I'm saved by grace and faith in God, I look to Christ and I trust He died, so even though I'm being sanctified, I can't be any more justified. His work is finished, that cannot change, and with this knowledge I am free, forever this grace it will remain, because of what happened on Calvary. On Calvary. As long ago as that was.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. You never change, never change. Forever, you
1: That's all we got for Truthy Told. Radio. we're gonna go out with Yancy and friends. Till next time. Bye for now. The